You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now. So get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lords. Hey everybody and welcome back to another exciting episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 11 top five villains i am as always one of your hosts jason hunt and with me my companion on this podcasting adventure through time and space we have paul gan how's everybody doing Woo! we're back uh (laughs) and we're taking a break from our dalek episodes although they may feature tonight who knows we will see we will see (laughs) (laughs) how's it going paul Ah, well, it's going. <laughs> it's going. Yeah, you already know about uh, all of my background stuff, so we're not going to bring that on the show. No. <laughs> no, but how's it going for you and Doctor Who? Y'all still friends? Very, very much cool. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> good, because that's what we're talking about tonight. Uh, we have an awesome topic and some uh, listener feedback to go along with it. But before we jump into that, we do want to give you just a little bit of news. And I'm sure everybody already knows about all this because it's been out there for a while. But we do want to, you know, be somewhat relevant and talk about somewhat current things. Um, you know, <laughs> things that things aren't more that than 50 are, years old. Yeah, instead of things that are 50, 55 years old, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, dust off some things. Uh, anyway, a uh, little bit of news stuff. Uh, series 8, uh, Peter Capaldi's first season uh, as the Doctor, is now available on Netflix. If you haven't been able to catch uh, Peter Capaldi's first season and you have Netflix, it's now available there. Go check it out. Do yourself a favor and do that. Uh, it's a pretty good season. Actually. It's a pretty good season. I won't say it's the best because you know he's still trying to find his feet, and there's some a few misses. Um, but uh, overall, I really enjoyed it, uh, and I'm really enjoying Capaldi as the Doctor. Uh, are you? I am, but I'm still not completely bought in at this point. Um, and it's not because he's not a great actor; because he is a great actor. It's it's more because I'm not used to the portrayal of the Doctor, mm. um, because I got so used to the portrayal of the character being more, I guess you'd say youthful, mm. some, somewhat in, in the way that, that he uh, acts and whatnot, um, 
he just really he he brings me back like I said before to the uh, to the first doctor and the way that he started out in his right. first very first season and especially with um uh Clara uh at the uh, several points during the season uh to me he came off as much more abrasive than he necessarily had to right um but it's not a bad portrayal it's just a portrayal I'm not used to right um and so once I'm used to that and you never know I mean it may ad- adapt and change over time which most of the others have at some point mm-hmm. um I think that um I think that the more used to it I get the more I'll enjoy it you know cool cool yeah he Peter Capaldi is the first person to admit this. He's definitely drawing a lot about a lot from some of the classic doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was he grew up as a huge fan of the show. Uh, you know, he, as much as David Tennant is a Doctor Who fanboy, right. uh, Peter Capaldi maybe even more so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, I mean, he he was published in a Doctor Who magazine for writing in a fan letter, you know that sort of thing uh, during the third Doctor's run. Um, that I saw that online. Uh, so uh, he really enjoys the show. He's really trying to you know make references back to classic things right. and that sort of thing, which I think is good because we've had a, a lot of you know the the youthful younger Doctors, you know Tennant and Smith in particular. Um, spreading out and doing new things and, you know, action hero type things, mm-hmm. uh, which really catches the attention of, of new viewers and younger viewers and that sort of thing. <clears throat> and I think for for people who've been with the show from the beginning or, you know, at some point during the classic series, they're going, well, where's my stuff? You know, it's like... <laughs> um, so I, I think Capaldi is trying to to find that balance between the new and the old. And I know he's <laughs> at least trying to get very involved with where the story mm-hmm. is going uh, behind the scenes. Uh, so I, don't, I really appreciate it. I don't know. Him. I noticed something uh, <clears throat> one of the times that I went back uh, recently and watched um, the teaser trailer again. Did you notice that the pants the Doctor was wearing in some of those shots was very reminiscent to the second Doctor? I did. I did. <laughs> I actually, uh, there's that uh, the big promotional splash image that's got the Doctor and Clara running towards the camera, and there's a big explosion going on behind them, mm-hmm. and there's a planet sort of kind of transparent up in the corner, and there's a couple of other things in the picture. Um and there was an article I read online where they broke down everything in the picture, and that was one of the things they pointed out. It's like, Troughton's pants making a comeback? Question mark? You know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It's, yeah that was... it's kind of funny to me because it looks like that he has hair that's more like the third Doctor now, mm-hmm. and he has pants that's more like the second Doctor. So, you know, and I'm looking at it, and I'm almost wondering if the jacket that he's wearing, even though it has the red lining in it, if that is somewhat similar to what the first Doctor was wearing. Mm, I'd have to take another look at that. <laughs> I'll have to go back and look at it. Possibly. Possibly. But, before we get to Series 9, which is coming 19th of September, 2015, uh, set your calendars, folks. Um, before we get to that, in fact, just a few days before we get to that, 
Doctor Who is returning to theaters. Uh, the season finale from series eight, which consists of the episodes entitled Dark Water and Death in Heaven, featuring the, spoiler alert, uh, return of the Cybermen and the Master, um, slash Missy, slash the Mistress, slash stop giving her different names. Um, <laughs> I don't care for the name Missy. I, if I'm going to call her anything other than the Master, I'm just going to call her Mistress. Yeah. You know. <clears throat> uh, but those two episodes will be shown in the big, uh, on the big screen in 3D in select theaters. Uh, and they will also include, and they will be shown back to back, and include a special season nine sneak preview scene, basically, uh, like a, a prequel scene to season nine that will bridge the gap between uh, the Christmas special and where we start up. Uh, on the 19th of September. And this uh, special screening will be playing September 15th and 16th. That's a Tuesday and Wednesday um, of that week. And it looks like at about 7.30 in the evening, your local time. Uh, and you can go to fathomevents.com uh, and search for The Doctor for theater locations near you. Uh, I will be doing my best to get to one of these. I should be able to get to one of these. Um, yeah, those things don't come to my town. <laughs> that's disappointing. Uh, it's really disappointing, actually. Yeah. So, oh, and there will be a special interview at the end uh, where Will Wheaton will be interviewing Peter Capaldi and uh, Jenna Coleman, who plays Clara. So, uh, I don't know how, how long the interview will be. Uh, it doesn't look like it'll be too long, I assume, because the, the total runtime of this event is two hours and ten minutes, approximately, uh, according to the <laughs> website on fathomevents.com. If this was coming to your town, would you go see it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would, actually. Even though I've already seen the episodes, I would go back and watch them again. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. it's not like it's a chore, right? I mean... Oh, no, it's... Oh, watching Doctor Who is such a chore. It's such a bore. Why do I have to go back and rewatch Happenstance? No, I will be going. Uh, it, as long as my schedule cooperates, I will be going to this thing and probably in costume. Um, That's at the very least, a Doctor cool. Who t-shirt. At the very least, a Doctor Who t-shirt. Um, but, uh, and if I do go in costume, you can expect pictures. Uh, yeah. On our Facebook page and Twitter. So, but yeah, so that'll be coming out in the middle of the week, and then Series 9 will, will pre premiere on television over the weekend. So, uh, and that is, of course, September. So, looking forward to September. Cannot wait. Um, <laughs> and hopefully, I will be done with my watch through uh, before then. I'm hoping to get my watch through done so that all I have left is the finale episodes for series eight. Um, You're really going to have to cram, man. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm in uh, the middle of Matt Smith's second season right now. So yeah, you're going to uh, have to really binge watch. I've got a month. I've got a month. <laughs> I watched three episodes last night. So, you know, it's not like, <laughs> I watched the Doctor's Wife and then the Rebel Flesh episodes. So uh, <laughs> that's a weird episode, by the way. Which that, one? 
the flesh episode two parter where they're uh you know the flesh just sort of bubbles up and makes a, a doppelganger oh yeah and yeah. they find out that Amy's actually one of been one of those for a while, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's like weird couple of episodes. Uh, not my favorite. That's the um, one where the doctor looks like his face is not quite formed, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, he gets a, a doppelganger made of himself. So. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdness. Yeah, All right. That, that's some Stepford wife stuff. I mean. <laughs> Which you've probably not watched that either, have you? No, no. Remember, <laughs> I may have been, I may have been born in 1989, but an 80s kid that does not make me. So, um, oh, dude, you just made me feel really, really old. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I was technically born in the 80s, but late enough so that it doesn't really count when it comes to pop culture. Um. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, dude, I graduated high school four years after you were born. <laughs> For those who can't see over the audio podcast, I just did the awkward turtle with my fingers. Um, anyways, anything oh. else on the news before we jump into our topic tonight, Paul? Uh, dude, I can't think of anything else right now. Cool. <laughs> no problem. All right. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about our top five villains in Doctor Who, whether or not that's individuals, groups, monsters, you know, whatever. You know, we, we left this as wide open and as broad as possible. We'll probably revisit some of these later on in more specific topics. Um, you know, but, you know, this is our first one of these, so we're going to get as wide a swath as humanly possible or time lordishly possible <clears throat> whatever you and we don't know what each other's list is so this is new to each one of us the same as it is to you guys yes, <clears throat> yes. Um, but before we jump into our lists uh, we got uh, five responses so our top five lists and five fan listener responses uh, from you guys about who your favorite villains are Brian V. Klein wrote in saying that his favorite villains were the Black Guardian or the Celestial Toymaker. Black Guardian being uh, from the fourth and fifth Doctor run, Doctor's run, and the Celestial Toymaker uh, lost episodes from the first Doctor. Jeff Waddell uh, says his favorite villain is the Candyman, and that is from uh, a seventh Doctor uh, storyline entitled The Happiness Patrol. I had to go back and watch the clips on that just because I'd never seen that character before. Yeah. A psychotic giant candy man. <laughs> I mean... That's well, he's, kinda... a, he's a robot. Sort of. Um, I won't give that away of how he, he meets his end because it's... Well, yeah, I guess he is most... Partly a robot. Anyways, um, you think that wouldn't work? That villain wouldn't work just because the design is really kind of goofy? Um, but he's just crazy enough that it works. It uh, actually kind of felt creepy to me almost. It's, he's creepy. He's, <laughs> he's just crazy, just insane enough that he's scary. 
you know. Uh, it almost reminded me of the episode with the giant dolls. Mm, yes. You know. And I haven't got back to those yet, uh, <laughs> but I do remember them a little bit. Yeah, so. they are very creepy looking. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> we got a couple more from you guys. April Simmons says The Master. Uh, that's a pretty good one, I would say. Uh, Chris Nally says his favorite Doctor Who villain is Stephen Moffat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, should we even touch that? <laughs> nah, I'm going to leave yeah, that one. Really um, that, that can speak for itself on whatever side of the fence you come uh, come to that one. Uh, uh, and then finally, Caitlin Curry says the Weeping Angels. So, Which is always a good choice. Uh, yeah, don't go near the cemeteries. Um <laughs> Or the Statue of Liberty, for that matter. <laughs> that one is still weird. <laughs> because there's no way the Statue of Liberty would have been able to walk across New York without being seen. Just saying. Yeah. Anyways. I think the whole idea was supposed to be that they were... Um trying to pull them out of sync with the rest of time. Mm. Um, and I think that was what was supposed to have made it possible, but gotcha. Yeah. I'll have to rewatch those episodes. I've still got, you know, based on where I'm at in the previous season, I've got about a season's worth of episodes before I get back to those. So uh, <laughs> now that I'm going back through Matt Smith's episodes, I'm going, Oh yes, I do remember why I like Matt Smith. And oh yes, Rory is cool. And oh yes, Amy's pretty cool too. So, but she can also be mean <laughs> a little bit at times. Um, but I think everybody has their moments. Uh, anyway, we're not talking companions on this on this episode. No, no, we're talking Doctor Who villains, and we have our top five lists. But because we feel like it. Uh, <laughs> Paul and I each have two honorable mentions, and so we're going to start with those. Do you want to go first, Paul, or shall I? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. What is your uh, first honorable first mention? My first honorable mention is The Silence. The Silence. Yes. Silence will fall. And one of the reasons that I picked them was because of the creep factor actually uh, which you'll probably find that there are several of mine that have the creep factor but um, the the creep factor of not being able to remember that mm. they're there yes you know and them having the ability to do whatever they want to do to you or at you know, or uh, about you or whatever and and you can't remember any of it you know, right. uh, that just, it's almost like that, that feeling that you get of, did I just see something out of the corner of my eye and you turn your head and there's nothing there, but you could swear that you saw movement or whatever out of the corner of your eye. And that happens to me a lot. Oh yeah. Uh, so remind I, I me not to visit Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I kind of relate to that because you know, I mean, it, I'm not going to say it happens to me every day, uh, right. but it, it, it happens frequently enough that I think about it, you know. <laughs> and so 
because I, I have had that happen to me so much uh, in the past, it just it was something that relate was relatable to me. Um, mm-hmm. Because when that happens to me in real life, it creeps me out. You know, it's like, did I just see a shadow person, or you know? Um, but and now you have something to yeah. put in there, <laughs> should you so it desire. It was the silence, you the know. Silence, um, silence but, uh, will fall. Well, I guess you know if you really want to. You know, put it in perspective. You could technically say that uh, they're the reason why people lose time during alien abductions and stuff. You know, uh, <laughs> if you want to put it in a real Ooh. world <laughs> setting. Oh dear. <laughs> that does that make it even creepier? Mm, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, well then, um, <laughs> the silence. Didn't make my list, but now maybe they should. No. <laughs> but wait, this is a favorite list, not scariest list. So for me, uh, yeah, they're, I do like them. Um, they are formidable. And that the scene where Amy is in the, uh, the abandoned children's home mm-hmm. walking around and all of a sudden she's got tally marks. And then, you know, she sees herself again and she's got even more and then more. And it's like, whoa. You know, that's freaky. Um, <laughs> I will, I will grant you that. So, well, for me, that's one of the things that makes them some of my favorites is the fact that they creep me out. You know, because to me, that's part of what makes them a good villain is the fact that they can be scary. You know, gotcha. Uh, and not every villain on my list is necessarily in your face scary, but it's it's going to probably either be creepy or have a really dark tone in some way. Gotcha. Because to me that makes a good villain. Cool. Well, a lot of my villains are either like impressively powerful in some way or Mm -hmm. super intelligent. Um, And so that's kind of where my favorite, you know, goes. Because for me, in order for them to really stand out, they have to be a threat to the doctor in some way. And, and And not just, you know, creepy and you know you can't stop it because it just keeps coming sort of threat but like able to compete with the doctor on an intellectual level in some way and so you'll see a lot if not most of my list uh be like that and i'll jump in with one of my honorable mentions uh that being morgane also known as morgana le fay you know that sort of thing uh the enchantress sorceress whatever you want to call her uh from king arthur's court well one of his villains um except she's not exactly from the court of king arthur well she is but from an alternate dimension where they have laser guns um (laughs) see i've not gotten to see this yet (laughs) she runs into the she runs into the seventh doctor um, in an episode in, in a story arc entitled battlefield which is also the the one where uh the brigadier shows up, but um, she is the primary antagonist uh, facing off against the doctor who she believes is a reincarnation of Merlin. And so the doctor equals Merlin and it's a showdown between these two, you know, wizards basically, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) and she's the actress does it really well. You know, the, the costume's a little chintzy, you know, chintzy nowadays. It's like, eh, maybe not quite so good, but the actress pulls it off, and she's very good in it. 
She's got these really long fingernails as part of the con the the uh, costume, and she mm-hmm. works them really well in the creepy <laughs> hand gestures and that sort of thing. So uh, just got to say that, and, and I don't want to spoil it too much, but she she may or may not end up trying to get her hands on a nuclear device as well. So yeah, um, okay. yes, uh, but well, yes, you think about it. Somebody from the past could technically think the doctor was some type of wizard because he's got the sonic screwdriver you know they could think that was some kind of wand or something right uh, right but but she's from an alternate dimension like i said an alternate time stream where like i said that knights uh in addition to their swords carry around laser guns um that's actually kind of cool yeah and uh, <laughs> she actually is willing to sacrifice her son mordred to the to the doctor if it will further her goals. So mm. she's uh, a cold a cold woman as well. Uh, <laughs> in addition to being uh, intelligent and uh, very calculating, because we say things on this show in a very nice way. <laughs> yes, I, I know a podcaster who, uh, instead of saying the the, na- the nasty word, um, says rhymes with witch. So yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> but because I won't go that I'll, far. <laughs> I'll be honest, when you were saying what you were saying, that was kind of what popped into my head was, yeah, that <laughs> this is his nice way of saying that. <laughs> yeah. But she's, like I said, very cold, very calculating, really intelligent, and uh, a formidable opponent for the Doctor, in my opinion. So that's my first honorable, honorable mention. That's What's cool. your second one? My second one uh, is uh, the Vashta Narada. (laughs) Silence in the library. Yeah, that freaked me out, dude. Hey, who turned out the lights? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, anything that can literally devour you and leave nothing but a skeleton and then continue to keep your corpse animated long enough to find the next victim that's freaky you know yeah. that's messed up <laughs> you know what's freaky about us talking about this right now so i'm sitting in my room with one light on <laughs> surrounded by books <laughs> and shadows <laughs> so far i've only got one <laughs> Uh. <laughs> I'm not sure I need to say anything more about the fashion <laughs> Do you have anything more you want to say about them? <laughs> well, uh, there's not too much more that can be said as far as that goes, uh, because they're pretty self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, those types of, of uh, enemies or villains or, or uh, what have you, those really... I guess it's something that I that I relate to in some way. And it could be the fact that I've been a horror movie fan for the last 30 years. But, you know... Um, that might have something to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, that uh, episode where they first showed up... I mean, I, I literally... I, I wanted to get up and turn the lights on because it was just, <laughs> you know... It, it it made my skin crawl, you know. Uh, yeah, 
and that you know other people might not have that same effect uh, watching that, but I most definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Call me a nice. sissy. I don't care. <laughs> See, I do a lot of my binge watching at night. Yeah. Which is really, really smart when you hit those creepy Doctor Who episodes. <laughs> and I say that with a lot of sarcasm, folks. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I think I'm going to jump into my second honorable mention, unless you had something else you wanted to say. about this. I'm good. All right. My second honorable mention is going to be Sutek. And he is the villain uh, from the fourth Doctor story, The Pyramids of Mars. Uh, he's an Osirin. Uh, also an Egyptian god. So, See, you're um, bringing up all these ones I've not seen yet. <laughs> well, I'm. this may be my most watched Doctor Who storyline ever. So, that may have something to do with this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's really only in this one episode, uh, one story arc, I should say. Mm-hmm. He makes a return appearance in the Big Finish audio against the seventh doctor, which I really want to get my hands on because I think that would be cool. Yeah, I'm going to have to start trying to get my hands on all of those They They really add something to the show. Uh, yeah. Believe it or not. So, but, um, just they're, they're, they're canon, you know? Yes, they are canon. I just, if I start buying them now, <laughs> I will have no money for the rest of my life. <laughs> So what you do is you find a friend that's got them and listen to theirs. <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, so anyway, um, but he's, uh, you know, he's this super powerful uh, Egyptian. Well, the Osirans are, are an alien race that have been to ancient Egypt and formed the, the basis of Egypt's, uh, you know, pantheon of gods. Mm-hmm. Uh and Sutek is the destroyer. He's the, the death, you know, the, the one who brings death. And that, that is his purpose. You know, he, death is good to him. And destruction is what he wants. And the setup for this is that he is trapped in this pyramid, in this, in this stasis room on Mars. And the power source uh, that's keeping him in stasis is being generated from the earth from Egypt I think it's Egypt uh, although they, they moved the never mind is being generated from earth and so the power source is being generated and 700 Osirens is what it took to capture and imprison Sutek and this was millennia ago and they're no longer around and so Sutek is making a bid to escape and the only one who can stop it is the doctor. And Sarah Jane Smith. <laughs> and so uh and he's this very malevolent and that's a fun word by the way. Uh malevolent uh yes. character who, you know, knows how powerful he is and that has gone to his head. <clears throat> um he's a super powerful being who can, you know, wield death, you know, the way somebody would wield a pen or something. You know, it's it's nothing to him. Mm-hmm. And entire civilizations fall. Uh, but he can't do anything right now because he's in the stasis. And, and except control his minions that are working on Earth. 
So he's still got mental projection going to Earth to get him out so he can wreak destruction upon the universe. And the Doctor's the only one who can stop him. And that is why, you know, and I, I don't want to spoil the ending for folks because <laughs> you guys really need to see this episode. Like I said, probably my, my most watched story arc ever. And it's Tom Doctor Baker, Who. so you know you can't go wrong. It's Tom Baker. You can't go wrong. And it's one of the episodes <laughs> that I would recommend, you know, people who are just looking to get into the classic series go watch because it's pretty self-contained. It's got a lot of the, you know, the quote-unquote tropes of the classic series, you know, a lot of the, the sort of things that happen regularly. And it's got time travel. It's got aliens, um, you know, and all that stuff all wrapped up in this one episode. So I highly recommend it. What you're describing uh, to me, which, of course, I haven't got a chance to see it, but from what you're describing, it sounds like another instance where Doctor Who did it first and <laughs> uh, Stargate copied Doctor Who. Uh, Possibly. Yeah. Probably. I mean, this episode came out in 1975. Or seventy six. Yeah, Stargate came out in the nineties. So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> but yes, it, it's got Tom Baker and uh, as the Doctor and Sarah Jane Smith, and we all know Sarah Jane's my favorite companion. So, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I, I don't want to spend too much more time on Sutek, but simply because I've watched that so much uh, and loved that episode so much, he's got to make it on my list somewhere. So. And, you know, we could at some point skip around and do a review on that. So, well, maybe we, we may you know. <laughs> just because just because. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get into our, our numbered list. Who is your number five? My number five is the Cybermen. Delete, 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 delete. <laughs> Uh, no, the Cybermen, like I said to you before, uh, on the Dark uh, episode, um, <clears throat> or the Dark Side episode, I should say, they are very creepy to me. And, and I know some people look at them and, you know, well, they're, they're not frightening. They're not, you know, dark. They're, they're cheesy or whatever. No, they're not. <laughs> because you obviously haven't really stopped to think about what they symbolize, you know, um, because they they were the Borg before the Borg existed. Uh, <laughs> and the difference being they don't leave the human body intact and just add things to it. They literally leave almost nothing of the humanity there and replace the entire structure with robotic parts. And it, it really lets you, in, in the newer uh, episodes, um, it really lets you uh, in on that process a lot more uh, than it did in the older series. Um, in it, you know, it lets you see the, the saw blades and the, you know, the, you know, all the different chopping devices and all of this kind of stuff. It doesn't actually show them getting chopped up in pieces, but your brain can pretty much put the rest of it together. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, of course, now this is uh, a spinoff from Doctor Who, but um, in, there was an episode in the Torchwood uh, TV show where there was one victim left from the Cyberman attack uh, in the, the uh, first encounter with the Cybermen um, uh, in season uh, two. When, uh, Canary Wharf, where yes, Rose when, ended up being when Rose, taken away. When Rose was taken away. Uh, <clears throat> this episode in Torchwood is actually a direct spinoff of that episode, those, that mm. two-episode story arc. And there uh, is uh, actually the the girlfriend of one of the Torchwood members was half formed into a Cyberman. Mm. And so she has part of her human anatomy left and part of her body is Cyberman. And she is very damaged uh, psychologically, physically, the whole nine yards. He tries to help her regain her humanity but in the end she ends up have having so much difficulty not giving in to her cyberman side that he ends up having to actually kill her oh. um because he knows that she'll be too much too much of a danger to everybody else if she's allowed to live um and so that even though it wasn't directly in the doctor who series <clears throat> this was directly tied to that storyline so I kind of Mm -hmm. count it as being part of that storyline but of course Torchwood is a more mature rated show than Doctor Who is so they they put those darker things in it Right. Um, but I just for me that that took that whole Cyberman thing to a whole nother level uh, because it literally lets you see the inside of that scenario and and see exactly what was involved in what's happening to these people that the Cybermen are taking out Cybermen rather are taking over and mm-hmm. um, so it brought that darkness of the Cybermen to a whole nother level for me very interesting yeah I will have more to say on the Cybermen later okay so I will not talk about that now um, my number five though is going to be, and here's another classic villain, folks, uh, the Rani. Um, she's a time lady and a scientist. Uh, you know, All she wants to do is run her experiments, except she has no ethics or morals. Exactly. Um, as she primarily interacted with the Sixth and Seventh Doctors, ended up teaming up with the Master at one point, not mm-hmm. necessarily voluntarily, but she did. Part of why I like her is because she, like I said before, she's a very brilliant, uh, I won't say human being because she's not, a very brilliant time lady, very brilliant scientist. Uh, the doctor even admires a lot of her you know, intellectual uh, capabilities, but because she has no morals and no scruples and no ethics, and she'll do anything you know, in order to get the results that she wants out of her experiments... He has to stop her often, and she doesn't care. He's like, human life is irrelevant as long as it furthers my goal. You know, right. she says, I think she flat out says something almost verbatim to that uh, in one of her episodes. Um, well, the very first episode with the Seventh Doctor, uh, not well, not the very first episode, the very first story arc, I should say, with the Seventh mm-hmm. Doctor, 
she has a part in that where she literally um, <clears throat> tells uh, one of her henchmen to go and put himself in a position where he can be left to die. And he catches on to that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and and then he, he realizes exactly what kind of person she is at that point. Uh, and his loyalty then is, begins to waver, but uh, she literally has no qualms about telling him, you know, to go and put himself in a position where he literally will die, you know. Right. Right. And in that story arc, uh, one of her aims is to get the doctor to help her solve this problem that she's having in her in her experiment. And since he's regenerated, he's suffering from post-regeneration amnesia, which she's sort of helped further along with a special, you know, I forget if it's a ray or the pill or something. I thought it was an injection. Maybe that's what it was. An injection, yeah. A special injection to help, you know, confuse his mind. And she's impersonating his companion, Mel, yeah, uh, for a while. And so uh, finally, of course, the doctor does catch on. But, you know, that's that's one of the things that she does. She'll do anything. She was actually to blame for his regeneration in the first place. Yeah. She was trying to catch him for this whole situation uh, and shot his TARDIS out of space causing it to crash land on the planet that she was on and during that crash is uh, and that crash is what caused the regeneration not the most spectacular of regenerations because you know after the way BBC treated Colin Baker he refused to come back for an episode to regenerate um, which good on you Colin because they really kind of crapped all over him um <laughs> Although it, it did make that regeneration suffer a little bit, uh, at least the, the, the reasoning behind it. But right. uh, that, that is why he regenerated into Sylvester McCoy. Like I've said before, is my second favorite doctor. So. That's also the reason why it had to happen so abruptly, because they, they didn't have any opportunity to have him do anything before it actually happened. Right. Exactly. But uh, when we were getting hints about, you know, when, when the scenes with Missy were getting dropped into Series 8, you know, from way back in the beginning, and you're like, mm-hmm. well, who is this? Who is this? Well, of course, one of the theories out there is, well, maybe it's the Ronnie. And I was secretly hoping it would be because I would love to see her come back. Uh, I think that would be fun. She's devious enough and so much concerned about her own self-preservation that I feel like she would have skipped out on the time war altogether. And found a place to hide out in well, you know, the far corners of the universe and would still be around. At this point, so, we already know that he's not the last of the Time Lords anyway. Right. So it wouldn't be that big of a stretch for them to to bring back some of those characters from the past, like uh, the Ronnie or even Romana, you know. Right, right. <clears throat> but even, uh, even before we knew that Gallifrey was back and that sort of thing and the Time Lords could be found again... Um, even before we knew that, I still kind of felt, you know, that she may still be out there. And so I was mm-hmm. kind of hoping that Missy would end up being the Ronnie. And they sort of made a reference to that when she, uh, you know, first greeted the, doc- the doctor as the, the interface. Uh, and I forget what uh, what she called herself, but the acronym for that ended up spelling Ronnie. Right. It was like random access neural interface or something like that. Um 
So, and they, they sort of threw that little Easter egg in there for you if you were looking for it. And I was like, is that? No, they can't. Because if they're referencing it there, it's probably not. Um, yeah, but. because, you know, uh, it, it's, it's one of those things that uh, Moffat just does to play with people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But we'll, we'll just, we'll, you know, reference back to the, you know, five responses we got earlier. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let's go to number four. Who is your number four? My number Favorite four, villain? uh, the weeping angels. Don't blink. And honestly, I think the reason why the weeping angels are not higher on my list is because they are so new in comparison to some of the others, because I just, I have a fondness, I guess, for some of the others uh, from the past that I just feel like carry over so well into the new series, you know. Um, and the Weeping Angels are just as creepy or or more creepy than the Vashta Narada to me, uh, especially when you're literally looking at them the, the 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 lights blink for like half a second and they've moved probably six feet closer to you with this big snarl <laughs> on their face, you know? And you're sitting there going, yeah, I, I, I don't want to be here anymore, you know? <laughs> nope. And the one, the one episode, I think, um, that probably creeped me out the most with the Weeping Angels is the one where it... Uh, the Weeping Angel literally came out of the screen mm. on uh, Amy. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. there was an angel in her eye. Yeah. That that That's weird. That's weird and <laughs> creepy. Well, um, it could have very easily turned her into one, right? I mean... I, I think that's what they were saying. Yeah. Um, because, because it was going to become it was going to become an angel a full-fledged angel yeah um at her expense <clears throat> but yeah no weeping angels they're scary they make for great jump scares i'll give you that right because it's like oh my god you know but i don't know to me they don't have quite the depth that i'm looking for right uh for like my top favorites um mm -hmm. i like them i don't mind seeing them um but it's not like you know, I, I don't get you know all super excited about about them, right? Uh, right. Like like some other like some people do. So, um, yeah, they didn't make my list, but it's a good pick. Uh, it's uh, one that I expected to well, get I, on I at have, least somebody's list. I have, like I said, some that are on here for creepy factor, and then some that are on here for darkness factor. Uh, and then mm -hmm. there's there's one or two that that I have for not only a darkness factor but also some of the same reasons that you picked some of yours. So yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go with my number four, and this is somebody that uh, I'm sure you'll have thoughts on later. Uh, <laughs> but that being Davros. Uh, mm. Davros himself <laughs> makes my number four. Uh, of course, the creator of the Daleks. He's met. Uh. Uh, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and tenth doctors, and uh, well, let's just say um, he's a psychotic, wheelchair-bound uh, Adolf Hitler, basically. Um, 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I mean, he, he kind of is like this, you know, Hitler-esque, you know, sort of villain. If you if you see the Daleks as sort of the Nazis, uh, you know, Davros ends up being their Hitler, uh, if you will. Uh, but of course, he's a brilliant scientist who has, uh, you know, whose only goal is to is for conquest and for survival um, of the Dalek race. Uh, but what's interesting about him is that he goes back and forth from being like on top and revered by the Daleks to, you know, the Daleks just kind of throwing him aside to them sort of keeping him as a little pet to back on top again and you know the cycle continues he's well, now part of that has to do with the fact that the fact that there are different factions of the daleks right um right some of the daleks follow davros and some of the daleks follow the, the supreme, supreme dalek, dalek uh, emperor mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's just interesting because his status changes and you know you you'll see that if you watch the dalek episodes from you know, whenever Davros is introduced, and we'll talk about that whenever we get to that, Um, but his status uh, as far as, you know, how revered he is amongst the Daleks changes from story arc to story arc, and sometimes even within story arcs. But it's one of those interesting things where I think he's just a... I won't say necessarily fascinating character, but I like him, you know... Because he's almost, you know, a Dalek himself in the way he thinks. Uh, and, of course, you can tell he's obviously modeled the Dalek's beautiful, luxurious speech patterns after his own. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because we all just scream at the top of their lungs whenever things aren't going the way they want it. Exterminate, you know, all this stuff. Uh, And he's just a little unhinged, you know. Um, But he makes for a formidable opponent to the Doctor, so uh, that's why he's my my number four here. And I'm sure we'll just move on to your number three. Uh, It's interesting that you bring up uh, Davros and the Daleks, because the Daleks are my number three. Oh, very nice. Um... Yeah, uh, and and doing these reviews and stuff have just reminded me why the Daleks are in my top five. I've got a real fondness for the Daleks as far as the villains go because uh, I have not only I do I you know still find them pretty cool in the new series. I know some people don't, but I do more so because of what they represent. And uh, and the the darkness factor of of them, like you said, being sort of like the Nazis, uh, mm-hmm. where uh, they literally just want to wipe out any, anybody that's not the same as them, uh, right? You know, uh, and they have no compassion. They have no no thought of how anything they do affects anybody but themselves. Um, they're literally. Uh, some of the most selfish creatures that have ever existed. Um, (laughs) And, you know, because of what they represent as characters and because of what they represent uh, in their um, uh, tone and in their 
their use as villains, I guess you'd say. I, I personally still find them to be relevant, even though they've been around for, what, 53 years now, something like that? Yeah. And like we said before, they haven't always been depicted quite the same throughout the years as what they are now, but there's enough similarities in what I've seen in the past and the present that I can just take that whole thing and just interlock it together and just make that whole thing relevant in my mind. Um, and, and like you know, we said before, you know, if, if the characters are good and the story is good, you can look past some of the, you know, limitations of, of the times and stuff when it comes right. to, to the, the technology and things like that. And that's what I'm able to do with those characters. Um, and, and the fact that you can take those extremely dark toned uh, uh, characters and, and still incorporate some humor in there. Uh, I find that to be uh, uh, kind of a, I guess, icing on top of the cake. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can still do funny things to them without taking away their their uh, uh, serious tone, I guess you'd say. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, I will say the Daleks got one of the best burns uh, in the entire show, though, when uh, <laughs> they uh, the cult of Scaro met up with the Cybermen uh, in mm-hmm. uh, the Battle of Canary Wharf. Yeah, I love the that. The Cybermen, you know, offered the alliance, <laughs> and the Daleks said, "No, we would not do that." You know. One Dalek would be sufficient to wipe you out. There are over five thousand Cybermen. Well, there's only four of us. You know, you know. Well, you are superior in only one thing. What is that? You are better at dying. <laughs> it was so great. It was so great. I was like, that's great. They basically had a Dalek do a joke, and it was it worked so well. Well, it, um, the Dalek basically said it wouldn't matter if there was only one of us. We would still be able to, t- to destroy you. You know. <laughs> and uh, they made good on that. <laughs> so, oh wow! So yeah, the Daleks definitely made good on that um, well, until the Doctor got involved. Not but, only do I see them as a darker type of character, they still, to this day, in my opinion, have the ability to still do things that come off as creepy. Um, mm-hmm. Like I just got finished watching. Um, was it the Daleks Take Manhattan, I think? Uh, yes, Daleks in Manhattan. It's Daleks in Manhattan, I'm sorry. Um, or maybe it's Take, I don't remember. And the the scene where you see uh, uh, Dalek... Uh, uh, was it? The Dalek Khan? Dalek Khan uh, assimilate himself genetically with that human and pull it into that armor... That was really messed up, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that creeped me out a lot. And my son, my son was watching that with me, and he goes, "Did I just see what I thought I saw?" <laughs> He's like, "Yes, Dad, yes, why did. didn't you warn me? That creeped me out." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, son, it creeped me out too." <laughs> and I had seen it before. 
man. Well, I have comments on the Daleks, <laughs> but not yet. My number three is going to be the Master. I I love the Master, as most people do. I like all of his incarnations. Uh, of course, I'm most familiar with his incarnations uh, in the classic series because there's a lot of them, and I've watched a lot of it. So he he shows up in the classic series a lot, uh, partic- <laughs> particularly with the Third Doctor. There's an entire season where he's basically the mastermind behind every story arc in the season. I'm not joking. And so <laughs> we'll spend a lot of time with John Pertwee whenever we do our Master episodes. But, <laughs> uh, you know, Master, of course, is this, you know, fellow student, fellow friend of the Doctors back at the Academy or whatever when they were training to be Time Lords and all this grand fun stuff. And they both decided to leave Gallifrey. Um, of course, that was where they separated. You know, the, Dal- the Doctor, the Dalek... I'm doing it again. Um, Dr. Dalek. No, 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 don't do that. Because that would be terrifying. Anyway, uh, the doctor goes one way to, you know, help people and to travel and to see these things. And the master goes another way to conquer and enslave and to be, you know, the master of all. You know, he, he gets, he has, uh, he twirls his mustache and has delusions of grandeur a lot in the classic series. Um and then goes really kind of psychotic, spazzo, creepy, insane um, when he comes back in the new series. Just <laughs> saying. Um, Henry Saxon is... He's not right in the head. <laughs> shall we say. And then, of course, now we've got you know, Missy as you know the mistress. Uh, and we'll have to see where that goes. But... I, I don't have, like, a lot to say in particular, except that it's nice to have another Time Lord that's basically the anti-Doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he, he's... Uh, it's an analogy that's been used time and time again. He's the Moriarty to the Doctor's Sherlock Holmes. Uh, you know, you've used it before. Yes, I used it. Um, <laughs> and it's been used all over the internet. I think Stephen Moffat has used it in an interview... They've all used it. Um, it's not original. That's what I'm saying. But he's, you know, he's great because he plays on the same level as the Doctor. And whenever he runs across the Doctor, that just makes his day even better. Because now not only does he get to, you know, continue on with his schemes, but then he gets to try and rub it in the Doctor's face at the same time. Which just makes him so happy. You know, um... <laughs> so that's why the master is my number three. The master is my number two. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I agree with pretty much everything you said. Uh, <laughs> the, one of the things though, uh, that I, I would like to point out, um, uh, just for the sake of doing so, because I can, um, <laughs> is that, uh, you know, just like with the Daleks, the the encounters that the Doctor has with the Master are not necessarily in chronological order. Hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, when you uh, get to the Eighth Doctor and he has his encounter with the Master, 
Mm-hmm. At that point in the Master's timeline, the Master has used up all of his regenerations. He has none left. And so the 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 time that the Doctor meets the Master as David Tennant and as uh, Capaldi, those have to take place in the Doctor's timeline uh, after the Eighth Doctor, but in the Master's timeline, they would have to take place before the Eighth Doctor. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. The Master has defied death so many times that I think he's basically willed himself extra <laughs> regenerations <laughs> past his allotted twelve. Well, um, I know he stole the body in. In I don't want to give too much spoilers because we want to talk about the Eighth Doctor at some point. Uh, yeah. When we when we talk about the master, but um, uh, he steals a body in that story arc. It's not uh, the first time he's stolen a body. Um, and the reason why he stole the body was because he literally had no regenerations left. Yeah. Well, uh, see, I think I think that's made reference to though um, in some of the other incarnations of the master, um, the the more recent ones for us so i'm not sure Ah, see the master's timeline is so convoluted Mm -hmm. that i think he just basically comes back because the doctor is still out there and my explanation (laughs) for for missy Mm -hmm. being around for the mistress being around is when the time lords gave the doctor you know basically reset his regenerations um i always kind of assumed that that happened with with the master the mistress as well uh somehow she acquired some of that regeneration energy and reset her regenerations too see my Um, my thoughts on that were actually different and and we could both be right or we could both be wrong i don't know but uh my thoughts were that the 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 master's body was breaking down when he got dragged back to gallifrey with mm -hmm. the time lords uh, back to the middle of the time war and so my thoughts were that because the time lords uh, or I should say the high council of the time lords were so angry at the doctor for banishing them back to the time war uh, that they actually used the master as a weapon and gave him more more regenerations to come after the doctor Rassilon would do that. Yeah, Rassilon is a vindictive son of a TARDIS. <laughs> um. <laughs> but that was my thoughts. I mean, they never actually said, but that was just kind of what I assumed. And see, for so long, the Master has, you know, off-screen, managed to escape and return so many times. Um... That you just sort of kind of have to accept it. You know, he's been on his last regeneration since the fourth Doctor. Okay. I'm I'm not even kidding. You know, <laughs> he had to steal a body back then at one point. Uh, at one point, his body became disfigured. Oh, yeah. He was basically, you know, leeching time energy or whatever. I can't remember what exactly it was, but he was, you know, completely disfigured and skeletal, which is why he had to steal a body. Um, 
and he's been he had been running on that body for uh, you know through the fifth, sixth, and seventh doctors, and should have died many times, mm-hmm. you know, because the doctor just sort of leaves him in trouble um, at the end of the story arc, and somehow you know whenever he shows back up, it's like well. I escaped, obviously, you know. Well, no now, other now that you mention it, now that you mention it, uh, you could be right about that because uh, if he's been stealing bodies for a while, uh, then he steals another body, uh, which the the uh, the Daleks I think took his body away uh, because he was on trial on Scarrow. So I think that I think the Daleks took his body away and and left him in a. Uh, I guess the the right way to put it would be a degraded form, um, which is why he looked like a transparent snake or something. A jelly snake. Something like that. Um, <laughs> but if he's been still in bodies for a while, and then he got sucked... Well, I don't want to spoil the ending. Uh, he, he got banished. Let's just say he got banished at some point. Uh, yes. That would have explained why he ended up coming back the way that he did, because he would have ended up at some random point in time uh, that the doctor would not have been aware of. Right. Um, right. Oh, man. And that gets me back to Derek Jacoby as the master. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish, I wish we had gotten more than just yeah. like five minutes with him realizing he was the master uh, because, oh, he was so good. Anyways. Um, all right. Are you done talking about the master? Because we should probably move on. Well, we don't want to. We don't want to talk about him too much because when we go back to talk about him in our episodes, we don't want to have already said everything there is to say. So, well, I mean, that'll be a while. So. <laughs> uh, but we still have. Uh, I've got two more, and you've got one more. So, yeah, um, we, we should we should finish this up. All right, my number two is the Daleks. And the only reason why they they beat out the master this time is because we're going back on this this Dalek watch through, <laughs> and it's like I really do like the Daleks. Um, my top three is pretty set, as they will until something else really makes a difference. They'll always be my top three, mm-hmm. but they'll get shuffled around all over the place. Just want to let you guys know. So uh, the master and the Daleks being two of those top three, and now you'll have to wait for the third, although. If you've been paying attention, you might already know what it is. Um, <laughs> but right now, the Daleks sit at number two for me. Uh, and going back on these watch-throughs and doing the reviews has really you know, gotten me to go, oh, I really do like the Daleks. They're kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And yes, they look like you know an oversized pepper pot with a plunger and a whisk. The look is not what's scary about them. It's what they do. You know, they're, they're menacing. They're unstoppable. And all that matters is furthering the Daleks. Nothing else is as good as the Daleks. The Daleks are superior. Anything that isn't Dalek must die. And they make good on that. Mm-hmm. And that's the scary thing. And what's even worse about it is what we've seen, especially here in the newer series. We get hints of it in the classic series, but especially as we the Doctor has evolved... And, you know, had more and more encounters with the Daleks. Mm-hmm. He has become so prejudiced against the Daleks that when it comes to the Doctor and the Daleks, he's almost as bad as they are in right. relation to the Daleks as they are to everybody else. One of them even tells him at one point, you would make a good Dalek. 
Yes. Uh, it, it's, you know, that was, that was with Eccleston. Me. Yeah. That was with Eccleston. Um, and I think, uh, Capaldi may have had that said to him as well in series eight. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but something similar to that, something similar, but, but yeah, it's the way that they've affected the doctor that really hits home for me mm-hmm. because, you know, yeah, they're, if you want to go just on design, they're not that intimidating. There's this big kind of, you know, sort of umbrella cylinder looking shape that, you know, hovers around and shoots things with a couple of stick arms. I still you know? kind of find them a little intimidating, but that's just me, I mean, you know. I kind of find them a little intimidating just because of how much, you know, I've invested in them. But if you're just looking from a, spe- you know, specifically design standpoint and you're just sort of getting into it, meh, maybe they're not so, you know, so scary looking. Um, but it's what they do that really, and the effect that they've had on the Doctor that really elevates them to me. Now, wh- what's um, your opinion on the way that they tried to change the way they look and stuff in some of the new series things? I did watch the one where the the new Dalek paradigm was created mm-hmm. uh, with Matt Smith. I did watch that. I was like, ah, whatever. The Daleks are remaking themselves again. Um, this is something that they've well, done. There was a big... Yeah big outcry of fans about the change in their appearance and stuff. A lot of them were like, you can't make them bright colors like that. They don't look intimidating anymore. They, they look like they should be in the Apple store. Or, you know, uh, well, let's just say the, it's hard to tell in black and white, Yeah. but the original Daleks were silver in color with bright blue mm-hmm. dots on them. Basically the, the, the round old things that they have, uh, the right. half circles that, that you know are down their body was bright blue, right? So they've always had some sort of color, um, and then in, with the sixth and seventh doctors in particular, there are these all white Daleks with gold, with the gold highlights. Uh, there's on even so, some red ones and some uh, some yellow ones and stuff in there too at some point. Yeah, there's but they, there's occasion they didn't change their a, shape; they just changed their color. Right, um, and it, so and those usually denote rank. Right. So you, we've run across the black Dalek in a couple of the episodes with the first Dalek, uh, the first Doctor, and so that that usually denotes rank, I think which is fine. At one point, correct me if I'm wrong. At one point, I think the red one was actually supposed to be uh, the um, the Supreme Emperor. Was he not? Um, I don't recall. I don't know if we've run across the red one. I believe yet I believe that's Doctor. right, but I could be wrong because uh there's uh pictures out there I know where I saw a red one and he had uh slight changes to his armor uh that the other ones didn't have that made him look bulkier and and more uh armored and more a little bit more intimidating. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh it was it was more of a uh, I guess a crimson red, not not that bright red that we saw in the modern series, but more of a, like a mm-hmm. crimson red. And I think that uh, I saw somewhere where that was supposed to be uh, the like the Dalek Supreme uh, mm. uh, at that at that particular point when that picture was made. Um, yeah. Um, and, as, and as far as the the new the the way they tried to redo them. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't bother me 
because it, as long as those Daleks would have like stayed as like the the leaders, right, you know, the, right. the the commanders, you know, the rank and file, I think need to be clearly Daleks, right? Um, but if you've got like these bigger, intimate, you know, bigger, colorful ones mm-hmm. as the commanders, I think that works. Well, the only time that which I is remember... what they ended up. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Which I think is what they end up doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to sort of like go, okay, sorry, you know, we'll we'll get the Daleks back in here, you know, that sort of thing. But um, uh, it didn't bother me too much. Mm-hmm. So the the, the only time that I remember seeing those uh, updated versions after that was uh, I think in the council scene uh, prior to the um, uh, asylum of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they were present there, but I don't remember seeing them anywhere else. There was a couple of them uh, when the doctor was being put into the Pandorica. Okay, there was two or three of them that were there. Um, I, I only know this because I watched that. I've I've not gotten back to that yet. So, so, but they were there as part of the assembled masses right. to you know entrap the doctor see i didn't personally have an issue with it i thought that that was kind of a neat uh addition uh i want i still wanted to see the originals you know uh mm-hmm. but i i thought it was kind of a neat addition and and uh i, I was kind of like you i thought that it should uh uh have something to do with, with their rank because they were a little bit larger and you know, a little bit more armored looking and and of course they were all different colors but I, I've got to be honest, my very favorite incarnation is probably the brass-colored ones. Uh, mm. The bronze-colored ones. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think those are probably my favorite incarnation. And I really like the way that they had them uh, back in the World War II uh, era episodes as well. I thought those were kind of mm-hmm. neat. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I have a favorite incarnation of them yet. I'll have to think about that as we continue on. <laughs> on our Dalek reviews. Okay, well, we are down to our number one. What is your top favorite Doctor Who villain? <laughs> Davros. Or should I say who? <laughs> yeah, Davros. I love Davros. Uh, now Davros is sort of like what you said before. He's sort of like uh, a crippled Hitler. Uh <laughs> But uh, he's also modified himself, you know, uh, sort mm-hmm. of done experiments on himself. You know, he he's plucked his own eyes out. He's put in he's put a mechanical eye in his forehead. You know, I'm I'm not really sure why he can't walk, but because uh, I I don't think that's ever really really been explained. Uh, Not as far as I remember. But he looks as though he has been paralyzed partially uh, because he looks like only one of his arms will work. Of course, he has that uh, structure in the back of his chair to help hold his head up and everything. But yeah, he's he's really odd in his appearance. You know, he doesn't look human. Uh, but I think that's probably because he did so many experiments on himself. Um, right. Because uh, he is actually suppo- supposed to be part of the uh, Khaled people mm. who look yes. who look human. Uh, but he doesn't look 
like they do. He he looks completely different, and and the fact that he was willing to do experiments on his own body could very well be the reason why he's partially paralyzed or whatever at this point. Yeah. Um, but he he not only does he have no qualms doing experiments apparently on himself, he has no qualms doing experiments on other people. Uh, <laughs> doing genetic experiments pretty much however he feels like doing them because uh, mm-hmm. like we said he is the creator of the Daleks um, he basically created them in a lab and uh, uh, we still don't know completely where the genetic material came from uh, because we get the impression that he probably used part of his own genetic material uh, and probably. probably used some of the genetic material for others uh, of his kind uh, because he indicates at one point that uh, they are supposed to be the replacements for his own people, you know. Um, right. <clears throat> and I don't want to get too much into the, the story because... You know, I don't want to spoil it for, you know, our future episode. But the the fact of the matter is this guy uh, literally doesn't care about any type of life outside of the life that he has created. Um, right. You know, the doctor at one point asks him um, if he had the ability... Uh, to have a test tube in his hand that was full of a virus that would kill every living thing on the planet. If he would open that test tube or or break that test tube and use that to kill every living thing on the planet, he literally says, yes, I would do that because that is unlimited power to have that kind of power would make me a God. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, you can't, deal with somebody like that you can't you you can't negotiate with somebody like that because right there is no way of reaching that type of person uh they literally are a monster on the inside yeah yeah and and that is what well, that's one of the reasons why he's my number one pick is because um as as much as i think it's interesting to see the master uh as being the doctor's you know, deep, deep, uh, arch enemy or whatever. In my mind, really, truly Davros has, has always been more of an arch enemy for the doctor, uh, because he helped to create, or he actually did create who is actually the doctor's arch enemy. And the Daleks. Yes. Oh, it's very good. It's very good. And I've already said my piece on Davros. So, uh, and I don't have anything else to add. So, uh, I suppose that means I get to announce <laughs> to the world uh, my number one top villain in Doctor Who. And at this point in time, that is the Cybermen. Um, ah. So, my favorite Doctor Who villain right now is the Cybermen. Like I said, top three Daleks, Master, Cybermen, all could rotate around. Uh, but right <laughs> now, this, that's where this thing stands at the moment. Uh, of course, they've interacted with basically every Doctor uh, except for the third 
the eighth, and the War Doctor. At least that we saw on screen. We still don't um, know about the audios yet. Right, uh, we don't know yet. I'm assuming the Eighth Doctor ran across the Cybermen at least a couple dozen times. <laughs> no, uh, in in the Big Finish audio, um, maybe not quite. I'd really love to but, see him back on screen again. By the way, oh, I know, I know. <laughs> Anyways, what we need to do <laughs> is 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 get some of the the best selling Eighth Doctor Big Finish audio. And have them turn it into some sort of like mini series special uh, between se- between seasons is what we need to have happen. Anyway, <laughs> if you're listening, Big Finish and BBC, please make that happen. Um, oh, dude, anyway. I would love to see a prequel season for the the shows that we've got now. I really would. Yeah. Anyway, back to the Cybermen. <laughs> I need to actually talk about these guys rather than getting sidetracked on the Eighth Doctor. Sorry. And- <laughs> Well, we'll talk about him at a later point because yeah. the Eighth Doctor is pretty cool. Anyway, <laughs> um, Cybermen. This is why they're my number one right now. Obviously, there's the, the standard reason the, they are essentially uh, humans without their humanity, uh, right. you know, trapped in these metal shells. And one of the things that I think the classic series does a little bit better than the new series when it comes to the Cybermen, and I'm going to sound like one of these, well, the Cybermen were better in the classic series than the new one, <laughs> you know, sort of porty-torty Hoovians. I'm going to sound like one of those guys, and, I, and I'm not knocking the new Cybermen, um, but I do think one of the things that they got better when it comes to these guys is that not only, is that these were actual people. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we run across them with the first Doctor, it's basically their, you know, the the costume is set up so that it's these very tall people, and the idea is, is they've got this metal skin that covers everything except their hands, mm-hmm. and when they talk, it's the person's mouth opens, it just opens, and the words just come out, and it's really kind of disturbing. Right. Um they're not forming the words with their mouth. They just open the mouth and the words come out. You know, it looks very almost human, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of creepy. But, you know, they give the idea that there's the human form, the skeletal human form, the bones, the spine in particular, the brain is all used to support this metal casing. And that is, you know, helping to inhibit emotions to, because emotion to me, it almost looks like the, the, the human body is in a suit mm-hmm. with metal parts attached to it. Yeah. And as the Cybermen evolve, less and less of the human body is kept. Right. One of the incarnations of the Cybermen, I can't remember if it's the fifth or the sixth doctor, that meets these particular Cybermen. I want to say it's the fifth. The lower half of the face... No, it's the sixth. The lower half of the face plate is clear. And so you can see the mouth of the person inside. Mm-hmm. And you know, the mouth is still being used to talk with. The person's mouth is still in there. And it's kind of creepy because, you know, you can see the, the mouth working and talking. Right. Um, 
but the rest of you know the rest of the person is still encased in this suit and you know very clearly still cybermen mm-hmm. rather than human whereas the new series it seems like it's almost like they cut the skull open they take the brain and they put it inside this robot right um, right right you know and i think if you although we see that sort of change when we get to Peter Capaldi's doctor because when he was going through the mausoleum basically where the mistress was set up and the water the dark water was there it showed the skeletons mm-hmm. inside the cybermen right and it seems like they may be heading back towards that idea of the cybermen mm-hmm. um, which I kind of like so it's almost as if the Cybermen are parasites and they've taken everything away from the people that they've helped, you know, right. That's right. their idea. They're helping them and they've taken everything away from the people that makes them human, makes them an individual. And that's the, that's the horrible, horrible thing about the Cybermen to me. There is no humanity left at all. There's, there's no humanity there's no individuality. The only reason why you have a cyber leader is because they've got more advanced programming, you know, and more hard drive space to be able to, to give orders and that sort of thing. But you lose the cyber leader and you can replace him by, you know, rewiring the next guy. So, uh, you know, it's... That's why they're horrible, horrible villains to me. You um, almost feel like they have a hive mind at some point. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they're able to communicate almost like, you know, like they've got radios in their heads, right. basically. That's why they're terrifying to me, is because they strip all the humanity in the name of helping you. Mm-hmm. You know, because pain is not a thing. They think they're making you better. Right. And they're also kind of like this slow... They're not as aggressive as the Daleks are, but they're just this... They keep spreading. They keep moving. They, they don't stop. Like a virus. The doctor can never... Yeah, they're, they're like a virus. The doctor can never completely eradicate them. Um, there's always some way that they come back. Um, and that's why... That's why the, the Cybermen are, are my my number one villain. Right it's now. a good choice. So... so if you guys didn't get a chance to weigh in on this, or if you think we're completely wrong in <laughs> our picks, or we missed somebody that we should have got on this, uh, please, please let us know. Uh, you can find links to all of our social media and everything on our website, which is TalkingTimeLords.com. There's links to our Facebook page, which is Facebook.com slash TalkingTimeLords. Our Twitter account, which is at TalkingTimeLord. Our YouTube, uh, which... Well, there's no URL for that. We're working um, on it. We're working on that. <laughs> uh, or you can email us at talkingtimelords at gmail.com. I will say uh, this. Course, our YouTube videos are available on our website. Yes. So if you want to watch the episodes with all the great visuals that Paul adds to them, uh, you can check them out there on the website. Uh, before we wrap up this episode, is there anything else that you want to finish up with? Uh, as far as Doctor Who villains or anything else that you want to get off your chest. I'm just having a really good time. I'm really enjoying this. 
uh, this ride, you know, um, I, I want our fans to be able to enjoy it just as much as we do. We're having fun. We're hope we hope you're having fun along with us uh, as you travel along time, along through time <laughs> and space with us. This has been a fun episode. Not sure exactly what we're doing next episode. We may go back to reviews next episode. We may slip something else in here. Um, but if you want to keep an eye on our social media, uh, we might let you know before then. It's or not because we don't have a plan. It's because we're trying to mix things up. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, we might want to keep it a surprise. So <laughs> who, knows? who knows what we're doing? We have an idea, but we're not telling. <laughs> so you'll have to tune back right, in and well, find out. Yes, you'll have to come back for episode 12 of Talking Time Lords. But that wraps up this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number 11, Top 5 Villains. For Paul, I'm Jason. And until next time... May you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Exterminate! Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts. Or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows. Thank you.